Bismillah walhamdulillah wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa mawala wa ba'du Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh My dear teacher, Mulana Salim Gaby, alhamdulillah, ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban bikum and to all of our viewers of uh, this particular class I think now we can officially call it a class in a podcast format insha'Allah ta'ala um, Of course, the topic is 40 ahadith via the Ahlul Bayt a very significant exercise both in terms of listening to the ahadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and connecting ourselves to him alayhi salatu wa sallam in a way that goes above and beyond just uh, listening to his words as we would in a Jumu'ah khutbah for example or a lecture but to become a transmitter of his legacy and to become from among those who benefit from uh, his prophetic light, you know, to, to, to form part of that chain is a very special uh, gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Often it's something that only scholars are privy to and students of deen, official students of deen. But through means such as these and through teachers such as Mullah Salim, we can actually all benefit from this. And you will see, inshallah, that this rich tradition, this rich legacy of passing down ilm excuse me, from generation to generation uh, through the hearts of uh, through the hearts of the Muslim Ummah the servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to attain not only from the ilm of nubuwa but from the nur of nubuwa as well uh, it's, a, it's what distinguishes our legacy and tradition from that of western academics you know, and again, this is not to take anything away from, from academics but there's a huge difference between just the passing down of information and the way that it's done in Islam. Allah Ta'ala could have just sent the information to Rasulullah but He sent Jibreel as a teacher. The Prophet could have just received the Qur'an as a book but it was given to him over 23 years. And so, you know, this legacy began. Malina, uh, Alhamdulillah, you've been instrumental in this tradition for so long. Uh, tell us your perspective on the uh, significance of this um, for you. Like, how, how, how does this? I suppose this is a very loaded question, but I can simplify it uh, on a scale of one to ten. How important is it that we keep this tradition of passing down knowledge via asanid alive? Uh. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa manwala. <coughs> In the previous session that we had, we mentioned the importance of asanid. Mm. And we mentioned that this is a ni'mah, it's a bounty of Allah only given to the ummah of Islam. And if it's a ni'mah given only to us and all other nations before us, uh, have been deprived of it, mm. then we it's a ni'mah which we should celebrate and maintain. So even with the coming of, you know, the printing press and so on, one would think that, uh, well, we don't need to handwrite manuscripts any longer. No. Uh, you know, uh, we have enough books printed, you know, of the Sahih of Al-Bukhari in which I whatever other books there are. So we don't need to maintain these asanid, these chains of transmission any mm. longer. Mm. But we need to maintain them. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, through these classes we can show the importance of Ameen. the continuity uh, and maintaining this isnad. I mean, I mean. And as we mentioned before that... Um, Al-Isnadu uh, Minadin, it's part of our, mm. our, our, our learning, you know. Mm. It's part of who we are. Naam, Jazakumullah Khairan. And also another part of this tradition and this legacy is that the majalis of hadith were often uh, opened with recitation of the Qur'an. So we're very fortunate <laughs> to have you with us for that as well. But tafaddal mashkura. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم 
بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لله ما في السماوات وما في الأرض وإن تبدوا ما في أنفسكم أو تخ فوه يحاسبكم بالله يحاسبكم بالله فيغفر لمن يشاء ويعذب من يشاء والله على كل شيء قدير آمن الرسول بما أنزل إليه من ربه والمؤمنون كل آمن بالله وملائكته وكتابه ورسله لا نفرق بين أحد من رسله وقالوا سمعنا وأطعنا غفرانك ربنا غفرانك ربنا وإليك المصير لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها لها ما كسبت وعليها ما اكتسبت ربنا لا تؤاخذنا إن نسينا أو أخطانا ربنا ولا تحمل علينا إصرا كما حملته على الذين من قبلنا ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا طاقة لنا به واعف عنا واغفر لنا وارحمنا أنت مولينا أنت مولينا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين صدق الله العظيم أحسنتم ما شاء الله تقبل الله منا ومنكم جزاكم الله خيرا مالنا Today we have the introduction or rather the first part I would say of uh, our discussions on the Isnad going through the Ahlul Bayt and of course again part of the tradition we've got now the establishment of the, the Dars itself we've got the recitation of the Quran at the beginning of halaqat uh, of hadith and now the third tradition in one mashallah Allah bless us for this I mean is that uh, normally when the muhaddithun would transmit a hadith to the students uh, traditionally there's one particular hadith that they would start with and uh, that they would share with the students and thus establishing that isnad can Monana give us some insight as to the idea behind uh, okay, um, since we're starting, the book is regarding um, 40 hadith, and this is again, as we mentioned before, it's a musalsal hadith. Uh, musalsal hadith meaning there's, uh, there's a, a pattern in the chain or in the transmission. So, the pattern in this particular transmission is that. 
uh, all or most of the transmission goes via the Ahlul Bayt, the family of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And there's another, or oh, there are many musalsal ahadith, one particular one which is related by every teacher. This is the first hadith related from the teacher to the student and therefore it is known as Al-Musalsal Bil-Awwaliyyah. Bil-Awwaliyyah meaning the very first. The, mm. This is the very first hadith that the teacher would relate to the student. And why it is related, perhaps we can discuss that afterwards. Okay, khair, right? inshallah. So, so is this tradition because of the content of the hadith? Or I'm just going to ask questions that I think people might, mm. you know, really have. Is it related, you know, because it's it's a rule that it must be like this? Why why is this one the first one? Um, there's no rule which says that this must be the very first. Mm. Uh, if we go, we're going to read the hadith mm-hmm. now, and we will see that this continuity actually did not start by the Prophet wasallam. It started uh, further down it in died. the transmission. Um, so the fact that it doesn't come from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is not giving us an instruction mm. or a command that mm. this must be the very first hadith mm. that you need to do with your right, students right. and so on and so forth, right? But there is uh, the muhaddisin. What they have done is they've written actually books and many works in explaining why this hadith has become the first hadith. And narrated mm. or transmitted from the teacher to the student. So we can touch on that afterwards. Taib. Inshallah. Bismillah. Our discussion. So the hadith Al Musalsal Bil Awaliyah, I transmit it from quite a few teachers. I will mention, uh, I selected to mention only two of them mm-hmm. today, Inshallah. Uh, it's usually transmitted in, in Arabic, but I'll try to. Translate. If there's anything that Mona feels that uh, you know we should give clarity to, you can just uh, remind me. Because sometimes we take it for granted that everyone understands. No, it's a, it's a it's a constant <laughs> challenge. It's a constant challenge. But uh, because of my weak abilities in understanding, I will make sure that I will <laughs> stop Mona. <laughs> Inshallah, Taala. Uh, Bismillah. Your hadith al-musalsal bil awaliyah. شيخ القراء بجنوب إفريقية أيوب بن إبراهيم إسحاق وهو أول حديث سمعته منه. So what I'm saying is that uh, this is the first hadith transmitted to me or related to me by my teacher, who is the Sheikh القراء of South Africa currently, قاري أيوب بن إبراهيم إسحاق and to maintain uh, the awaliyah is that every uh, transmitter in the chain, he says, mm. This is the very first hadith that I heard from him. Mm. So this is the very first hadith uh, related to me by my teacher, Qari Ayyub. وَكَذَا حَدَّثَنَا بِهِ الْمُفْتِ الْأَعْظَمِ بِمَدِينَةِ كَيْبْتَاوْنِ Shaykhuna Muhammad Taha Karan Similarly, this is also the first hadith that uh, was related not only to me but to many of us mm. here in Cape Town from our Ustaz, uh, the Mufti, who was the Mufti of Cape Town during his time, Muna uh, Taha Karan. And this is the first hadith that we heard from him. So the first hadith, when we say the first hadith, they divide it into two categories again. It can be haqiqi or idafi. Mm. Haqiqi meaning that this is actually the very first hadith that you heard from your teacher. Mm. And when it comes to my transmission from Qari Ayyub, this is the awaliyah is haqiqiyah. Okay. This is the very first hadith that I grasped from uh, Qari Ayyub. Mashallah. And uh, when it comes to manataha, it is idafiyah, haqiqi, awaliyah, idafiyah, meaning it is relative to other hadith. Mm. There might have been other hadith that we heard before, but still, in relation to the hadith that we heard afterwards, this is still the first 
Wakilahuma and both of them, they relate from Kilahuma Anil Mufti Al A'wam Bidari Al Ulum Dioband Fi Waktihi Al Mufti Mahmud Hassan Al Janjuhi. And both of them they transmit from the Mufti of the Grand Mufti of Darul Ulum Dioband during his time, uh, uh, Mufti Mahmud Hassan. So in Arabic, they would write Janjuhi was a jim, mm. but it's actually Gangohi, mm. right? Both of them transmit from uh, Mahmoud Hassan al uh, Janjuhi. Wahuanil Muhaddis Muhammad Zakaria al Kandihlawi. Wahua Awalu Hadithin Samiahumin. Both of them from uh, this very first hadith that they heard from Mufti, Mufti Mahmoud was this hadith, and he relates from Muhammad Zakaria al-Kandihlawi and this is the very first hadith that he heard from uh, uh, the Muhaddith Muhammad Zakaria al-Kandihlawi and this is the very first hadith that he heard from his teacher Khalil Ahmad al-Sahar al-Furi وهو عن الشيخ مولانا عبد القيوم ابن عبد الحي البدانوي وهو أول حديث سمعه من وهو عن الشيخ محمد إسحاق الدهلوي وهو أول حديث سمعه من I won't translate this now because I'm sure everyone understands وهو عن الشيخ عبد العزيز الدهلوي وهو أول حديث سمعه من so محمد إسحاق from Abdul Aziz al-Dihlawi, and him from his father, al-Shaykh Ahmad ibn Abdul Rahim al-Shahir bishawaliyillah al-Dihlawi, he narrates from his father, who is better known as Shawaliyullah al-Dihlawi, and this is the very first hadith that he grasped from his father. Umar ibn Ahmad ibn Aqil al-Saqqaf al-Makki wa huwa awwal hadithin sami'ahu min tujaha qabri al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and this is the very first hadith that he grasped from his teacher and uh, I remember, I recall that Munatah mentioned this when he got this hadith from his teacher they were by the qabr of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam I don't know if you can recall I don't he mentioned this, and this is also mentioned in the Sabbath of uh, Shawaliullah al-Dihlawi, mm. al-Fadlul Mubin. So, uh, Sheikh uh, Umar al-Aqil, he had many mashayikh that he transmits from this particular hadith. Um, I will mention one particular one. Wahua anil mukri Ahmad ibn Abdul Ghani al-Banna al-Dimyati. I mention him because he's a mukri. And those who do the kubra, they will know him as the, the author of Ithafu Fudala'il Bashar Fil Kira'at Il Arba'at Ashar. He wrote the book on 14, the 14 Kira'at. And this is the first hadith that he transmits from uh, Shaykh Abdul Ghani, Al-Banna Al-Dimiyati. And this is the first وَهُوَ عَنِ الْمُعَمَّرِ عَبْدِ الْعَزِيزِ عُمَرَ بْنِ عَمُّوسَ الرَّشِيدِ وَهُوَ أَوَّلُ حَدِيثٍ سَمِعَهُ مِنْ وَهُوَ عَنْ شَيْخِ الْإِسْلَامِ زَكَرِيَّ الْأَنْصَارِ وَهُوَ أَوَّلُ حَدِيثٍ سَمِعَهُ مِنْ وَهُوَ عَنِ الْحَافِظِ الْجَلِيلِ أَحْمَدَ بْنِ عَلِي بْنِ حَجَرَ الْأَسْقَلَانِ وَهُوَ أَوَّلُ حَدِيثٍ سَمِعَهُ مِنْ and شيخ الإسلام زكريا الأنصاري from حافظ بن حجر حافظ بن حجر for the scholars out there, he's the author of Fathul Bari, the famous uh, commentary on the Sahih of Al-Bukhari. And this is... وهو عن أبي الفرج 
عبد الرحمن بن الجوزي وهو أول حديث سمعه من The famous Ibn al-Jawzi وهو عن إسماعيل بن أبي صالح النيسابوري وهو أول حديث سمعه من عن والده him from his father in a race from his father أبي صالح المؤذن وهو أول حديث سمعه من وهو عن محمد بن محمد بن محمش الزيادي وهو أول حديث سمعه من عن أبي حامد أحمد بن محمد البزاز وهو أول حديث سمعه من والتو زايز they will mention and when Nataawin narrated the hadith he also said it will two زايز instead of بزار بزاز وهو عن عبد الرحمن بن بشر بن الحكم وهو أول حديث سمعه من وهو عن سفيان بن عيينة وهو أول حديث سمعه من وهنا ينتهي التسلسل So yeah, the tasalsul, the continuity of this being the very first hadith narrated from teacher to student, teacher to student mm. it ends by Sufyan ibn Uyayna meaning yeah. that Abdurrahman ibn Bishr ibn al-Hakam, this was the first hadith that he grasped from Sufyan ibn Uyayna, and this is how he transmitted it mm. to so the, 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 the tradition actually starts, starts at this the, point. Mm. But from Sufyan ibn Uyayna, going up to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is not necessarily the first hadith that mm. he transmits. Sufyan ibn Uyayna, an Amr ibn Dinar, an Abi Qabus, مولى عبد الله بن عمر بن العاص عن عبد الله بن عمر بن العاص right so Abu Qabus he was the client of uh, the Sahabi the companion Abdullah ibn Amr ibn العاص famous companion Abdullah mm. ibn Amr ibn العاص رضي الله عنه mm. so he relates obviously from his master Abdullah ibn Amr ibn العاص أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال and he relates That the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Can you continue? One second, I'm trying to switch it off I can't switch it off This thinking is not mine No, it's mine, okay. Ajib I got the phone back yesterday from repairs And uh, it's still getting my things right <laughs> I see the alarm goes off every hour Yeah uh, It's like my way of just Keeping, uh, you know, different activities separate. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no problem. Bismillah. So, Sufyan ibn Uyayna, an Amr ibn Dinar, an Abi Qabus, Mawla Abdillah ibn Amr ibn Aas, an Abdillah ibn Amr ibn Aas, radiyallahu ta'ala an, anna Rasulallah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qal, that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, ar-rahimuna yarhamuhum ar-rahman, يرحموا من في الأرض يرحمكم من في السماء أو يرحمكم من في السماء يمكن بيدين تويز يرحمكم على جواب الطلب والأمر أو يمكن بيد يرحمكم على على الدعاء والاستئناف I will explain that in the translation إن شاء الله so the hadith of the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم says that him who is most merciful Ar-Rahman, he will have mercy upon those who show mercy. Mm. Ar-Rahimun, those who show mercy, yarhamuhum ar-Rahman. He who is most merciful, referring to Allah, will have mercy upon them. Irhamu man fil ard, therefore, have mercy on those on earth. And when we say man fil ard, it is it is am, it is general. So, have mercy upon those that you know, those that you don't know, mm. those that you like, those that you don't like, mm. you know, those who are close to you, those who you uh, distant from, whoever, man, fill mm. out, mm. right? In fact, some even include that uh, you should have mercy, this would include animals as well as plant life, mm. you know, man, fill out. Obviously, man would include first those who have aql. And then uh, the others as well. If you do this, man fill out, irhamu man fill out, 
Then this is the jawab, right? Yarhamkum man fi sama. Those who are in the heavens, they will then have mercy upon you, right? Or it can be read Yarhamukum, right? This would be dua. May those in the heavens have mercy upon you if you show mercy on those on earth. So those in the heavens, some say it is Allah, some say even the angels of Allah because. They make du'a, right? Uh, uh, the, the du'a that they make is, uh, it comes at the beginning, الَّذِينَ يَحْمِلُونَ الْعَرْشِ وَمَنْ حَوْلَهُ يُسَبِّحُونَ Then afterwards they make du'a uh, for the maghfirah mm. of, of everyone and that Allah have mercy. So they say it not only refers to the mercy from Allah alone, but the mercy from the angels as well. Mm. They are included in this. Mm. So, like we mentioned before, that um, there's no instruction or command from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that uh, this must be the very first hadith transmitted from teacher to student. Uh, however, scholars have written, muhaddithin have written that why specifically start with this this hadith, mm. the hadith. Uh, which is also known as Hadith Bir Rahma, the Hadith mm. of Mercy. So I usually tell the students that I relate this Hadith to that uh, the Hadith tells us that uh, Allah is Ar Rahman, He is the most merciful. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, He was sent to us as a mercy. وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ No, so the Prophet was sent to us as a mercy and us as followers of the Prophet wasallam. when Allah himself describes us he says Muhammadur Rasulullah walladheena ma'ahu Muhammad the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and those with him they are ashiddaa'u 'ala al-kuffar but ruhama baynahum right As as followers of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, we are extremely merciful to those amongst us, to mm. other believers, to other followers of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And if you note the that Allah says ruhama, ruhama is the plural of rahim, mm. which is ismul mubalagha. Right again, for those who know Arabic, they will appreciate this. We, uh, Allah doesn't say Rahimuna baynahum mm. Right mm. Rahimuna is having Just a little mercy mm. Allah is saying Ruhama We are extremely merciful mm. Between ourselves Amongst ourselves As followers of the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam And in the hadith Allah says Ar-Rahimun He doesn't say Ruhama mm. Yarhamuhum ar-Rahman Meaning that Allah will show mercy upon you But you don't have to be extremely merciful mm, mm. to receive that mercy from Allah. Meaning even aqallu darajati rahma. You know, if you have even a little mercy, mm. then Allah is prepared to show mercy upon you. Mm. Subhanallah. Right? So, we look um, at ourselves and we think that uh, You know, if we are living lives where we are harsh and hard and merciless, mm. intolerant, uh, with no compassion upon others, if this is the way that we are living our lives, then how can we expect Allah's mercy mm. when we stand before Him in the year after? Subhanallah. We haven't shown, we're not prepared to show mercy, we're not prepared to show compassion and tolerance to others, but yet we expect that mercy, that forgiveness, that compassion should be shown upon us no. in the year after. And the very simple message of this hadith is, uh, it comes in another narration in the Sahih of Al-Bukhari, Where he mentions, "Malla yarham, la yurham." Mm. 
him who does not show mercy, mercy will not be shown unto him. Mm. As simple as that. And then Muhammad Abdul Hay Ibn Abdul Kabir Al-Kattani, like we mentioned last week, is the author of Fihrasul Faharis, Wal-Azbat. He mentions that uh, the reason, so we're coming now to why do we mention this particular hadith uh, in this particular setting of teacher-student. He says the reason why we mention this hadith because anna mabna al-ilm, the very foundation and basis of knowledge is ala tarahum wa tawadud he says that the very basis of this knowledge, this exchange between teacher-student, master and disciple is based on mercy. It is based on compassion. The teacher with the student, if the student is a bit coarse, is tolerant and he understands, he forgives that. He oversees that, you know. And if the teacher is a bit harsh one day, the student is prepared to forgive that. Mm. Be tolerant of that, the harshness of the teacher as well. And at tawasul, an ongoing connection between the teacher and the student. Mm. Because what we learn is not only in the class. Our learning with our teacher and our mentors is a lifelong journey. Mm. As long as we prepared to continue growing, like we mentioned last mm. week, mm. that tawasul, that uh, continuity in learning, it continues. Mm. Um, you know, a, an example of this would probably be, probably be that Munataha, uh, um, again, when his teacher came to visit, uh, a few years ago. Mufti Saeed. Uh, uh, yes, Mufti Saeed. Rahimahullah. <coughs> uh, I think it was about seven, eight years ago. Yes, anyway, the discussions that they had, it was again dialogue again uh, uh, about Masail. They mm. were still learning mm. from one another. And this is what probably after 20 years of them yeah. uh, being in the classroom situation. Mm. So that Tawasul. That connection between the teacher and the student, it's ongoing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If I uh, can also just uh, relate, and, uh, you know, like Manataha would have that with, with all of us, all of his mm. students. Um, he would come and visit unexpectedly. He would just call you, are you at home? Okay, I'm coming now. Like that, right? But what was amazing about it is no matter where, whether it be in the middle of a Nando's, or whether it be in the middle of a mall at an exclusive books where you would often find him lingering about, or in your lounge, or driving somewhere, uh, as 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 his guest, you know, being in his company, you would always learn something mm. because he was always in that uh, mode. And you, as a student, I would always feel comfortable with with calling him. Although even there, there was a certain a certain uh, etiquette that he would teach us. You know, he, he didn't. He disliked his own students just calling him and asking questions. Because he would say, look, if that is what I taught you to do, then you didn't need to come and be my student. You could have just come day one, ask my, ask my number, and then leave. And then that's it. Mm. Don't waste your time. But he would teach us, you know, look for the answer, do your research. Do when you get stuck, then you can call on me and I can assist you further. Oh, unfortunately, we can't do that any longer. But that type of student-teacher relationship is, uh, is what Mullah is referring to, and it's part and parcel of the legacy of Islamic scholarship. Mm. Uh, that, that This is why ulama often uh, lament at the, at the apparent disrespect that some from among the general public have for the ulama. Because within, within the life of the alim, he's got the highest, or he had the highest of respect for his seniors and his teachers, you know, so it is it is weird for him or her, for that matter, to then come into their own little circles and then they don't see this type of respect existing any longer. You know, it's like it's a given that if, if somebody is your teacher, if somebody is giving you this 
then there should be respect. So when that's absent, then it's worrisome because, you know, it just doesn't exist in, in other circles. Mm. So that's the the one thing that I thought of now mentioning. And then the other thing on is uh, somebody might be listening to this uh, to this session and then notice that oh, that was a long discussion for Ar-Rahimuna, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahman fil man fi sama. You could have just said the, the hadith and taught us the lesson. It's a beautiful hadith, you know. And and you'd be right in that sense. And this is why in khutbahs and in lectures and stuff, you only get that bit, what we call the mutton, mm. right? Um, but that's not the purpose of this type of, of exchange alone. That's that's an added, you know, because the, the scholar at this stage would probably be able to go and seek the, the information and the sharh, you know, the explanation of the hadith, etc., in a plethora of, of works. So it's not just that. But the way I, I was thinking while Malna was speaking, you know, because Malna was mentioning scholar after scholar, and I was just like, um, it's like that that feeling of being a kid in a toy store. We, oh, Ibn Hajar, oh, Shawaliullah, oh, Sufyan Ibn Uyayna, you know. These are names that, that mean a lot mm-hmm. to a scholar, to a seeker of knowledge. It's, it's like all these stories come to mind and the different books they wrote and the different contributions they made. And there's one thing to, to, to discuss the hadith and, its, and its, its content and its purport. But when you get it like this, it's almost like, it's almost like the difference between somebody bringing you ajwa dates from Medina, right? Here's ajwa dates. But now, no, no, this ajwa dates... Uh, let's say, for example, Mufti Saeed Palamburi, he bought the Ajwa dates. Then he took it to uh, this place, you know, in the world. And then he gave it to his students there. Then those students took the Ajwa dates and they took it to a different place. Then those students took it to Malata and he brought it to Cape Town. And then Malata took these Ajwa dates and he brought it to you. Allahu Akbar. And now it's not just Ajwa dates anymore. Now it's it's significant over and above the fact that it's it's Ajwa dates because it has this this transition from from one to the other, and those individuals they are significant to you as well. It's like a family heirloom, also. You know, you get your your grandfather's watch. It's an old Jalopi watch. The thing barely works, but it was your grandfather's, and then it was your father's, and now it's yours, and you're hoping to give it to your son one day. So in that sense, uh, this type of of interaction and. Uh, I don't know, but I always feel that that it, it it's more spiritual than it is intellectual. I don't know if Mona would agree with me, but that's just my take on it. Uh, like we mentioned in the last session also that, you know, to many this is, you know, you're just hearing names, uh. a whole lot of names. But uh, I mentioned last week that uh, when my teacher, Kari Ayub, mm. when he mentions his names, you can see the reverence and the respect that he had for each person that he mentions because yeah. it's not just a name. He knows those individuals intimately. He studied their works. Mm. You know, he's read their opinions regarding numerous issues. Mm. So the, the respect that he has for the individual is not just a name. You know, this is, he, this this person, he wrote 120 works. Mm. You know, 100 of it was on this subject. And these are his opinions. This is right. And his teacher was so, and his student. So it's not just names for us. And this is how we, we received our dean, mm. you know. Um, you you mentioned before that uh, you, you, you asked me about, uh, you know, us relating these ahadith and so on. A, a statement of uh, Abu Amr al-Dani, rahimahullah, from the 5th century, died in the year 444. So he mentions in his commentary uh, on the Khaqaniyyah, uh, and this is a famous statement, you get it in, in many other books also, but I remember reading it mm. there. Right, he says, لا تقرأوا القرآن على المصحفيين وَلَا تَأْخُذُ الْعِلْمَ عَنِ الصُّحُفِيِّينَ Right? Like, have you ever heard of anyone in the history of Islam who has claimed 
that when it comes to his reading of the Quran, he self-taught. <laughs> I taught myself how to read. Mm-hmm. It's unheard of. Mm. How do you teach yourself how to read? Mm. You know? You? Yeah, you, you can do, you probably can do, you know, but you're going to have a lot of errors in your reading. No. So in the same way, Abu Amr al-Dani, rahimahullah, is saying here, don't ever take the Quran from somebody who's just picked up a copy of the Mus'haf and decided now I'm going to read this and, yeah. you know, this is how I'm going to read it. <laughs> right? So similarly, وَلَا تَأْخُذُ الْعِلْمِ You do not take knowledge from an suhufiyin that those who just read a lot of pages. Mm. You know, they read a lot and then they think that they know a lot. Right. You know, if you're applying the one, it's very simple. I don't know, in my mind, it's very simple. Like you wouldn't find somebody who can teach himself the Quran. You, nobody can teach themselves deen. Mm. You must sit at the feet of a scholar because if you read these books and we have manuals on Islamic law, mm. you know, you know, if you walk into a lawyer's office you, and you see, you know, uh, from the floor to the roof, they have all these uh, encyclopedic works on law. Mm. We have the same. Mm. In fact, ours is much larger. Mm. <laughs> right? We have all those uh, books on Islamic law. You can't read it alone without the guidance, especially fiqh works, mm. because they are so intricate and the meanings enveloped in the words are so huge mm. you understand so um yeah our our mashaikh and our teachers like i mentioned in the last session also they are our institutions yeah. and that's why when we relate a simple hadith like we feel proud mm. you know to uh, relate it and transmit it from our teachers Qari Ayyub, Mulna Taha, and the others that we transmitted from. No, Mulna, um, I think also one of the the biggest difference, like I I, I have exposure and I'm, I'm currently doing some academic studies. And um, look, there's a lot to be spoken about the, the nature of academic studies and, and Islam and so on. And, but nonetheless, what, what I really want to highlight here is that within academia, when it comes to Islam and academia, one of the, the key differences is that of the isnad. So, so in academia, it's purely about the intellectual aspect of things. And that obviously we can, we can refer back to ilmun nubuwa, the, the knowledge of prophethood. And they deal with it and they, they deal with it in, in, a, in a somewhat different way to, to what traditional scholars might deal with it. There's different... Um, mechanisms, there's different frameworks and so on, theoretical frameworks and things that, that's applied there. It is what it is. It's a topic for a different time. Mm. But what I'm, what I'm getting at is that this process that Mona just went through, this is what makes traditionalism traditionalism. Mm. This is what we refer to when we speak about traditional Islam. Like often people overcomplicate this thing. You know, like we're living in a world where I'm sorry to do this to the topic now, but we're living in a world where everything is LGBTQI plus and I don't know how many other letters of the alphabet. And it's a matter of, there's so many, there's so many things happening in the world that, that's incongruent with traditional Islam. And then of course you have, on the fringes, you have people trying to make it congruent, right? Or make Islam uh, compatible. But they can, you know, no matter what anybody tries, one can never reconcile between traditional Islam and these types of, uh, or rather this type of heterodoxy. Because at the end of the day, it's not part of that chain of transmission. It may be filled with information, it may be intellectual gymnastics, etc. But there's no way that you can prove that it forms part of this tradition that extends from ourselves through all those names Molina mentioned and their contemporaries, all the way back to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, who was the recipient of the Quran, our interpretations will forever be 
attached to that legacy. Mm. Whereas if you're coming from outside of that tradition with a different interpretation, look, as they say, you know, everybody has, what's it? Uh, you have the right to your opinion or whatever the case, freedom of speech, right? Fine, no problem, you can say. But you, at the end of the day, it, it's just your opinion. It's not going to be an opinion that can that can uh, that can benefit from you know being part of this tradition. So when a traditional scholar gives you a an opinion or uh, you know teaches you what the madhab says or gives you an interpretation of an ayah or hadith, know that behind this person, you know the credentials that that's actually sh showing. It's not the title. It's not the degree on the wall. It's this entire tradition extending from himself or herself mm -hmm. all the way back to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that makes, uh, that makes what you are getting so much more um, valuable. And it makes you, it puts you in a position where you are forced to at least respect what's coming to you. You don't necessarily have to agree with it. That's your prerogative. But you have to at least respect it because it's not just thumb sucking. It's not just pulling, you know, rabbits from a hat. This is coming down in a tradition. Yeah. Um, you know, in um, other studies, uh, you basically, what happens is you walk into a lecture you walk into a conference um, and the person there is telling you, you know, is sharing uh, perhaps his experiences and giving over whatever mm. he is giving over. And you sitting there, you have no, like we, we spoke about tawasul, a connection mm. between the teacher and the student. There's no connection. You go in there. If there's a hundred people sitting in that class and mm. listening to the same person, you can have a hundred different understandings mm. or interpretations of what that te that person or that lecturer gave over to you. Yeah. You understand? And in the mind of that individual, if there's a hundred different interpretations and understanding, all of it is fine. <laughs> right. Ajib. You understand? Ajib. But what we're saying here is, that it must be tawasul, and this is something that uh, is something we got from uh, from Munatoa. Uh, we saw it. He did not explain it to us and so on, but we got it from him. No. And this is something that Kari Ayub, you tell us, there must be suhba between the uh, teacher and the student. And actually, we're talking about the musalsalat mm. hadith. Mm. One of the musalsal is musalsalat is. Al-Musalsal bi-suhbah. You know? Where there is a companionship or you're sitting in the presence of your teacher. So they... What's the minimum requirement of that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, like I'm thinking, suhbah, oh, that can be a day, that can be a year. Oh, Allah Akbar. That's an interesting one. But there is a connection between yourself and your teacher so that when it comes to any discussion, any masala uh, pertaining, any matter pertaining to deen, mm. and you have an understanding mm. which might not be correct, your teacher is there able to guide you, you know, and tell you, this is how we stand, we understand it in light of, again, Quran, in light of the sunnah, we have a constant, you know, uh, when it comes to uh, this uh, teacher-student relationship and isnad and things, there's a constant for us. And our constant is always the Quran and the sunnah. Mm. Whatever we interpret, whatever we read, or that is our eye, whatever I read, I have a copy, I brought a copy of today, Sun Tzu, the art of war. Mm, I saw this. But whatever I read, he says this, you relate it or understand it, uh. you know, in the boundaries and the limits of Quran and Sunnah. No. no. You understand? Uh. Whereas other studies, 
they don't have there's no however you want to understand it whatever you want to do with it it's fine mm. you understand ajeeb well with us it, it's not like that and the suhba is very important and the suhba is you know sometimes uh, the teachers in other places they have i think a, a misunderstanding of what suhba is mm. so suhba in the presence of your teacher is the relationship that you had with monatoa mm. the fact that you could call him any time and you could discuss things whether it was uh, a call or in endo or wherever it was mm. you could discuss those because of your connection and your relationship that you had with him some places they understand suhba that uh, the student must be almost like uh, the servitude mm. of the teacher you know that's so, so that when i hear that it's very weird for me because i've never been exposed to that alhamdulillah and and i mean i know that it's it's, it's a very prevalent thing it's just i've i've literally never been in an environment where, where that is a thing i've seen it within circles of of spirituality and so on but not in terms of ilm So that's a ajeeb thing for me. Yeah, so uh, you know the the idea is that uh, the suhba of the teacher would be to wash his clothes, you know, to wash his dishes, put his shoes straight, those kind of things. Uh. You know, um and was us we didn't do any of those things. Uh. You know, with our teachers, but we have the utmost respect for them still. Uh. You understand? So the the idea behind suhba is to create such a connection and an understanding and affiliation with the teacher mm. so that knowledge is passed on mm. easily between the two because if you don't have that tarahum tawadud and sheikh ubaid hafizallah one of our other teachers you say ta'atuf you know that compassion between the teacher and the student mm. then uh, you don't you have that no and knowledge this that that we the basis of knowledge he says uh, abdul hay uh, al katani uh, rahimahullah mm. is not based on at tadabur opposition turning our backs on one another what taqatut and severing ties between teacher and student mm. you know uh, the opposition uh, you say this i don't think that you know uh, that antagonistic approach mm. and uh muhammad abdul hay uh, al katani goes on further and he says fa idha shabbat talib ala dhalik if the student he grows with this this rahma this compassion between the teacher and the student which is remember he says this is the foundation of knowledge mm. if he grows up the, with this He says it becomes something natural within him. It's innate, you know, the tolerance for another scholar, the respect for another scholar, you know. And then, فَيَتَأَدَّبُ ثَانِي بِأَدَبِ الْأَوَّلِ The student, he respects the other teachers and whatever he is learning. because of the respect shown to him by his teacher mm. his teacher shows him how to respect others Ajib. as opposed to sitting in a class and the teacher says this is the masala and uh, fulan says this but that is wrong mm. you know this one says this i says this is wrong criticizes b criticizes c and therefore we are right you understand so the 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 manhaj the methodology is a methodology of constant critique so the student in his mind that is mm. how things should be mm. you know ilm is ilm al-jadal it's us and them uh. you know this is what we say and this is what everyone else is mm. it's like us against the world mm. yeah. and that is not something that uh, we got from munnatah munnatah he would show the greatest reverence and respect for any scholar absolutely you know when it came to 
you know the hanabila when it came to the ahnaf and when it came to um whatever we were speaking about mm. you know he spoke spoke about them with great reverence yeah. and yeah. you'd even say at times who who excelled in this particular aspect mm. of, of studies was the ahnaf mm. who excelled here mm. if you i know? if if i may man before we wrap yeah. up with uh, this particular lesson yeah. in the few minutes that we have left in terms of the in terms of the manhaj something that i will i will treasure for the rest of my life is you know generally speaking within um i have to be very careful here and diplomatic but within our traditional schools one often finds a a sense of this type of thing you know this this uh who's we right because they wrong type of thing and you know so so our studies if you're going to read a hadith oh no no you see this it's all about my madhab and it's all about my my theology and so on and everybody else is wrong and that's my 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 pursuit of ilm is proving this uh monata taught us in a very different way so you almost your entire career of of formal studies you're learning about your own school of thought and you're grounding yourself in it it's not about critiquing others when he does introduce you to the other schools of thought he does it in a, in a unique way instead of showing you just a whole bunch of furur uh masail you know issues in which <clears throat> you're going to find a lot of differences of opinion and focusing on that he actually introduces you to the other madhahib via the usul via the foundation the theory the legal theory right and by seeing the legal theory as a student automatically you have an appreciation for the law mm. because you understand the the, the theory what? underpinning the law the why you the understand why the why so you you don't get caught up with a oh no but uh, how come they don't bacha bismillah out loud mm. uh when the hadith says so because you already know like you don't know the details but you know oh no when it comes to hadith this is the method you know this is am this is khas this is qat'i this is dhani so you don't you don't nobody needs to come and defend themselves at you you like you you already have an appreciation and a respect for the other despite the fact that you don't know the the ways intricately you know the 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 foundation which mm-hmm. is an amazing thing so uh, from that point onwards i can't imagine a student becoming a bigot you know on their way because they understand that there there's a plethora of other options when it comes to this thing and we have to respect all of them and that is something that uh i didn't at the time i think a student doesn't really get the full extent of what is being given you mm. know you know but now retrospectively i can look at that and 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 wallahi that had such an impact on our development and our pedagogy our growth and even the way we conduct ourselves and and speak to others that i i just think it's It's such a beautiful thing. Rahimahullah, may Allah Ta'ala have mercy on him and grant him a high Ameen. status in Jannah. Ameen. Yeah. Well, your yeah. closing remarks on, on, the, on the hadith, yeah. inshallah. Um, there are numerous places in the Quran where Allah Jalla wa'ala has connected knowledge and rahmah together. Mm. You know, so with knowledge comes rahmah, comes mercy. Uh, لَقَدْ جِئْنَاهُمْ بِكِتَابٍ فَصَّلْنَاهُ عَلَىٰ عِلْمٍ They received, we gave them a book and we detailed everything in the book with knowledge, with due knowledge. What is this knowledge? هُدَوْ وَرَحْمَةِ This knowledge is guidance and mercy. Mm-hmm. So Allah mentions knowledge and He mentions that with that knowledge there is mercy. You look at Nuh alayhi salam Uh, sent to his people and then he said to he says to them qala ya qaumi araytum in kuntu ala bayyinatin mir rabbi wa atani rahmatan minhu you know uh, i've come to you how do you see that i come to you with clear proof and wa atani rahmatan minhu he has also given to me with this proof he has given with with it rahmah a mercy salih alayhi salam also qala ya qaumi araytum in kuntu ala bayyinatin mir rabbi wa atini minhu rahmah right he has also he has given me was this clear proof he has given was it is given rahmah mm. you know 
um, uh, which other example the du'as of the angels that we mentioned Rabbana wasi'ta kulla shay'in rahmatan wa'ilma you know always with knowledge comes uh, rahma with ilm comes rahma when Musa alayhi salam was sent to Khidr right and he found him as some say Khadid no? mm, mm. فَوَجَدَا عَبْدًا مِنْ عِبَادِنَا آتَيْنَاهُ رَحْمَةً مِنْ عِنْدِنَا وَعَلَّمْنَاهُ مِنْ لَدُنَّا عِلْمًا Right? He was given knowledge and he was given rahmah with that knowledge. So there are numerous places. I mean, I'm just giving a few that with knowledge comes mercy, comes this rahmah, this compassion, this understanding, this tolerance for one for the other. And... Like we would say that Fulan has a lot of knowledge, but he doesn't have hikmah. Mm. We could also say, in light of all this, we looked at the Anbiya, they were given knowledge and rahmah. So if we are is, true is, then we would want knowledge with rahmah mm. as well. Not only the knowledge. So you would find somebody who was, uh, he can be a, an alama, a, a polymath, mm. you know? Like a mutafannin, an expert in many different sciences and be an encyclopedia, a walking, walking encyclopedia. But then he might not have rahmah. Mm. Right? So the ideal is that if you are a scholar, an alim, a learned person of deen, then with that ilm must come or should come rahmah, the mercy. And therefore, this is the first hadith that is related from teacher to student, mm. right? And this is the, something that we should see in our teachers, a love for each other, a mm. compassion for each other, tolerance, you know? We might differ, like uh, I'm, I'm thinking of now suddenly, um, who's from Canada? From among us? Yeah. No, not the, the one that's in Turkey now. Sheikh Riyad. Sheikh Riyad. So you were saying, you gave an example of Imam Shafi'i, rahimahullah, mm. where he said that we might not agree on any mas'ala, mm. but can we still be brothers? Mm. You know? So we can have our differences, whatever differences they might be, but uh, we can still be brothers and we can still respect each other. Mm. You know, I, uh, I've had people who, who differed with me and they take flights, man, to come see me, <laughs> to come debate a, a, a particular matter, uh, or whatever it is, come see me, come to my house. And for me, it's very strange, you know. <laughs> and uh, they... They lay out their points and whatever, and I say simple. If that's what you want to do, it's fine. Do it. Uh. You know, you don't have to argue with me. Uh. If you feel that is right, then carry on and do it. No, you know, Bismillah. I support you because that's a view also. Mm. You know, that is also a practice. Ajib. I might have my own opinion or whatever, but I'm not saying that what I do is the only way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This is what my research has guided me towards. And if you have something else, then fine. Mm. Absolutely. Know? And I think that is what we got from Nataha. And uh, he might not have said it in uh. so much words. Oh, no, he said it. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> I, I remember in, in one lesson I was sitting, and I'll never forget this. He said, if there's one, if there's one thing that you take as a student from me, and then my ears went like, okay, what's this one thing? Because he's giving us so much, like I need to get this mm. one. And he said, it, it's tasamuh. You know, it's, you can be right, but that doesn't mean that everybody else must be wrong. Mm. It must, you must, you must understand that, yeah, this is my opinion, but I have the possibility, there's a possibility that I'm wrong. Mm. And as long as, you know, all of us are still within, uh, within the boundaries of traditionalism, within the boundaries of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah, you know, you're not, you're not making mm. kufr or heterodoxy or something, then we can, we can respect yeah. each other's differences and carry on, you know? I think in light of that, 
you know, Munatah uh, would be the epitome of knowledge, ilm, and rahmah combined. Subhanallah. Definitely. We see it, we, we see it in him. Uh. That in spite of whoever differed with him, he still loved him. Mm. And you never speak bad about him. <laughs> Allah, may Allah uh, give us this quality. And, and you know, um, It's something simple, man. Rahma, have mercy. Be, uh, have maghfira, forgiveness. Uh, you know, overlook whoever does wrong to you. Mm. You know, this one quality, the outcome of it is that it breaks down the divide between individuals. Mm. The It breaks down the walls between families, mm. between communities and society mm. like we talk about unity if we want unity this is the one quality that we must have if yes, we yeah. have this then unity would be very simple amen amen rahma and forgiveness and tolerance amen ya rab walana jazakumullah khairan taqabbalallahu minna wa minkum now the ball has has moved it's rolling the the, the line is open between <laughs> Between ourselves and Rasulullah sallallahu via yourself and via the Ahlul Bayt, uh, this is happening in a very blessed time. We are still in the best days of the of the year. Well, okay, it's not the ten days of the Hijjah any longer, but it's the days of Tashriq. These are this is a time mentioned in the in the Quran. So we ask of Allah subhanahu wa taala to accept this from yourself and from all of us, Ameen. and make it a means of khair and barakah Ameen. to bring that nur of nubuwa back into our lives and into our communities, Ameen. especially in these dark times. May the reading of the ahadith and the connection and the intention be a means for for Allah subhanahu wa taala to remove the pandemic from us and Ameen. all of the harm that Ameen. that uh, is left in its wake, and uh, to remove all the violence and darkness all around us, uh, to return us back to Uh, a, a, a sort of life whereby we can resume our normal dini activities, you know, uh, and everything else that that we also need to do as well. Jazakumullah uh, khairan. Amin wa And uh, once again, just a reminder to everyone, you can purchase the book. Uh, the description would have all the details. So you can just check the description of this video for the details. We do encourage the physical booklet because then you have your own copy. It's like having, you know, your certificate in that sense. Uh, but of course the soft copy is available as well and uh, we will be with you again next week and Friday inshallah ta'ala uh, from uh, Salim, uh, sorry, Salim Gaby and myself we bid you farewell inshallah ta'ala Malana jazakallah khair Amin wa yaakum Wa sallallahu ala sayyidina Muhammad subhanallah wa bihamni subhanakallahu wa bihamnik nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh